great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask gets it done. If you want an answer right away, hey, you can talk with a member of our team. We offer free off-the-air advice. We do that over 40 hours each week. And if you go on Clark.com, scroll down just a little, you'll see the phone number and hours available each weekday for that free off-the-air advice. Coming up in just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about a credit card scam that was just busted by the feds that is like so many other credit card scams that takes advantage of people running balances on cards. I'm going to tell you what to look out for. And coming up later, if you know someone in the military or you yourself are in the military, there's some choices that you face this year that I can tell already from questions I've been asked are confusing people in the service. And I want to explain to you how things are going to be working on the benefit selections you have to make. I want to talk right now, I was just alluding to credit cards and scams involving them a few minutes ago. There's an area that I have been concerned about, and it involves people pitching to kids high-fee accounts for kids to have plastic like adults. It's actually being pitched to their parents as a way of like uh, parceling out allowance to kids or whatever, and then your kid has a Visa or MasterCard that they can go spend with. Well, the reality is one of the hardest things ever is to teach kids the value of money now that money generally is not dollar bills, it's plastic. It's hard for a kid to get a concept of how much money there really is, how much is available. So I want to tell you, if you want to get your kid into plastic, the people who have it best are people who are credit union members or USAA members because most credit unions offer things uh, not quite like the USAA youth spending account, but there are these accounts you can get where you have tight control as a parent on what kids are spending and where they're spending it, and you can set tight limits for your child and they get used to using plastic as a way to pay for things. My preference, though, remains for you to actually, if you're giving a kid an allowance, give it to them in plain old money because there's a sense of finiteness that comes with money that does not come with plastic. And maybe about 16, that's the point at which a kid transitioning to plastic may actually be a good idea. But before that, I think it's too hard, particularly for younger children, to process the value of money if it's just a piece of plastic. And doing real money that shrinks before their eyes, I think really is valuable. Chad is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chad. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Chad. You have heard me say gas is gas and buy the cheapest gasoline you can buy. 
and you disagree with that that you wanted to share with me why I might need to think about that a little differently. Yeah, that's uh, that's right, Clark. Uh, of course, I hesitate to disagree with you on anything. First off, i got to say thanks a lot for all you guys do. Um, Thank you. So I work at a gas station, and on Friday, you made a statement about all gases being more or less equivalent and just go based on price. And working at a gas station, you know, I firsthand experienced it. You know, that's not entirely the case. So the gas may come from the same place, these stations. But what happens after that can vary from station to station. So uh, each company has their own additive that they might uh, formulate and add to the gas. Uh, each station takes care of their pumps, their filters, their tanks in different ways. So th- there is variation. And I-, I just wanted to make that correction uh, briefly. It's kind of tough to, to know whether stations taking good care of their pumps. But there is something called top-tier gasoline. You uh, took the words industry. right out of my mouth. I was waiting to see if you were yeah. going to mention that. Sure. Yeah, and so, um, you know, it's kind of tough to, to grade out the gasoline. I mean, you can't really see what's going on with the filters. You can maybe gauge by how fast the gasoline's pumping. But a lot of the stuff's kind of hidden from the consumer, so it's kind of up to the company to kind of have good ethics and good standards for, for taking care of everything. But uh, beyond that, uh, the additive uh, is a good way to kind of uh, make sure that you're getting a quality product. And so the additive is something that helps remove gunk from your engine parts with fuel injectors, different and working to the engine there i didn't take valves but you know all gasoline for gosh probably the last 20 years has to have an epa approved additive to keep the gas clean but you bring up something i want to go back because you mentioned something that people may not have been aware of or heard of and top tier is something that auto manufacturers have pushed for because the top-tier certification program is designed because automakers will have somebody come in with an engine that's damaged, and the consumer automatically is angry at the manufacturer, assuming that they did something wrong in the manufacturer of the engine. The manufacturer may send a master mechanic and say, well, you know, we think it's because the gas had impurities in it, and the consumer's left in the middle. So the manufacturer's have the system of standards that they want gasoline to meet so it runs cleanly in their cars and that's what top tier is about and there's a and top tier by the way is not based on it being a major oil company station any station a discount gas station a a warehouse gas station any of them could be a top tier station yeah that's right Uh, so that's one aspect. So if a consumer is looking for, you know, places to maybe buy gas that, you know, maybe a better better quality, maybe do more for their car, uh, the top tier designation can be something to look for. So um, let me tell you why I say it like I do, Chad. Please. Because there are people who have this fixation that they assume that if a major oil company station is there, that its gas is automatically going to be better than an independent sure. gas station, a discount gas station, a um, warehouse club station. They just assume that the major oil company gas would be superior. And the point that I'm really trying to make is that doesn't mean that at all. And that if you want to be really comfortable wherever you go buy gas, you can go to toptiergas.com is yep. the website, and you'll be able to see locations near you that meet that 
vehicle manufacturer's minimum specification. Yeah, and so like you said, those are a minimum for top tier. So some gas stations go beyond that. So, for example, the gas station that I'm a part of, we actually go uh, five times the EPA standard, which, you know, is going well above and beyond. But then again, there's, there's other more technical parts that are, that are kind of hidden, like tanks that don't uh, corrode, like some other underground tanks, older underground tanks that leave more deposits, you know, the kind of thing where folks say, don't fill up when the tank's there dropping gas because it's going to kick more de- deposits. Well, some gas stations have technology to prevent that, not just the filters, which all stations have, but actually in the pipes and the tanks. So, so there is a difference, and I just that was my one little beast. But, uh, well, well, Chad, I appreciate something else. I appreciate your enthusiasm for what you do and the love you show for the company you work for, and that's always great for me to hear. Again, if you want to make sure that the gas station you go to, brand name oil company or wherever is meeting the top-tier standard, particularly if you have a really fancy-dancy, expensive car, go to toptiergas.com. Karen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Karen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Karen, you want to help out your brother. Tell me about that. Yes, and first of all, I want to say thank you for your wonderful show and for you for being such a nice person. I just really appreciate listening to you on your podcast. Well, you are very kind to say that. You don't know the real dirt on me, though, behind the scenes. <laughs> I doubt that exists, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was talking about my brother. He's um, 51. He's had a lot of issues through the years as far as um, he basically has no credit now. He's had problems bouncing checks. Oh, um, I'm just sorry. not good at managing money at all. And my parents have helped him through the years as far as paying bills. He pretty much pays most of his bills through cash or money order. And obviously, they're not going to be around forever. And so I figure, you know, we need to start getting him on the right path somehow. And I didn't know where would be the best place to start. So the the checks that bounced, have those been taken care of as best you know? I believe so. I, I, think he, I don't think he's had a bank account for several years. So The reason uh, I ask is that the first step to rebuilding in a situation like you described with your brother is for him to reestablish a banking relationship and hopefully at a credit union, not a bank. But what happens when someone's had trouble with how they write checks is you could end up on a system that's like a bad boy, bad girl list, and you're prohibited by most financial institutions from being able to open a new account, usually for about a five-year period. Okay. So if he is not on that system, the very first thing I'd like him to do is to open a credit union account, either a savings account or a checking account or both. Okay. And get back into the normal kind of banking environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it, if he, they would, he would basically find out then if he's still on the list. Exactly. And okay. not every financial institution uses the bad boy, bad girl system, usually known as the check system system, but he would know immediately if he was being rejected for that purpose. Okay. But you open the account, he opens the account, and that is the best starting point to become just a normal banking kind of customer. If you're not sure he's ready for that, an alternative is something, I don't know if you've heard me mention, the Bluebird account. I have, uh uh-huh. Bluebird is the closest equivalent to having like a banking relationship 
you end up with a Bluebird American Express card and the ability to pay bills from an account, deposit money into an account, um, have checks issued from the account. But one of the neat things for his situation, why I think of Bluebird, is if you have them issue a check, they're not going to issue it if the money's not there to fund that check. So it prevents, eliminates bounced checks. Is that um, like an online-based kind of thing? or Yes, it's uh, a cooperative effort of American Express and Walmart. So you can open an account with a kit you can get at Walmart or at Bluebird.com, which is actually cheaper. You can deposit money into the account at a register at a Walmart store. You can deposit money online. There's a lot of flexibility with it. It comes with ATMs you can access fee-free. And then the American Express product that you can use, like an American Express card, anywhere American Express is accepted. Okay, so there are options, because he doesn't even really own a computer, so he's um, not very tech-savvy, I guess. So if, In that case, in that case let's, let's go in the Wayback Machine, and I would say let's go way back to what I was talking about, about credit unions. Okay. Because the Bluebird account is designed to be an online account both okay. on a smartphone and at a computer. Okay. So failing that, I think the credit union is going to be the best route. Okay. And I've heard you mention um, like people can put them as a registered user on a credit card, but just not tell them. <laughs> so that way he has... An authorized credit. user? Yes. Yeah. And like, depending on the issuer, that authorized user status may help him establish credit, may not. There's no real harm I can think of to you adding your brother as an authorized user and just never giving him the plastic because it may provide a benefit. Okay. But with the credit union, if he gets his feet wet, handles it well, many credit unions offer what's known as a fresh start credit card program where he could get a low credit limit Visa or MasterCard. But I would say in this case, especially with the background you gave me, he should crawl before he walks. You should start slow. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And you're a great sister to be looking out for your brother. Well, thank you. We try. <laughs> All right, best to him and to you. It's weird because we're at a time where the economy is doing the best it's done in years, but the number of people who are delinquent on credit cards is rising. The number of people wheezing from credit card interest rates is larger than it's been in years. So that sets you up for the latest scams that will separate you from your wallet. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So the government has just busted a scam that was a robocall that said, hey, we have a new offer for you to lower your interest rates on your credit card. And so people would pay money for this supposed refinance in the millions of dollars. And you know what? It was just a complete con. There was no replacement of your existing credit. It was just a theft of your money. You know, when you get someone calling you saying, they're your friend, they're going to help you take care of your credit card debt, the best thing for you to do is let them hear Mr. Buzz as your response, that you hang up that phone. Because 
over and over and over again. Every time delinquency rates start rising on credit cards and interest rates are rising on credit cards right now too, it makes you more susceptible to somebody's pitch about how they're going to help you out of a tight spot. One thing I can tell you, if your credit score is good, but you're carrying higher interest rate credit cards, go on those sites I've been testing as an investor and see if you might get a lower rate on your credit card debt doing a loan with Prosper.com or LendingClub.com. That would be a legit way for you to potentially lower the interest rate you're paying on your cards. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where our deal diggers look for bargains for you each and every day. So if you know someone who serves in the U.S. military, family member, friend, or you yourself do, there's something that I can tell from the questions I'm getting is causing a lot of confusion among military personnel. There is a change in how military retirement works that just went into effect. And depending on when you or a family member or friend went into the U.S. military determines what choices you have to make, if at all. First things first, if someone just now goes into the military, right now in January, you don't have a choice to make. You're in the new military pension and retirement system. If you have been in the military for a long time, let's say back from 05 or before, you have no decision to make. The big key is for people who have been in the military and continue to be going in starting in 06 through last year. So what the military is doing is roughly three-quarters of military personnel never stay in long enough to get the sweet pension deal that the military offers for 20 or more years of service. You know, the military undercompensates our soldiers and sailors, our airmen. They don't make enough money. And the trade-off is that if you stay in 20 years, that you then are in a position where you have this wonderful pension for the rest of your life. So someone who enlists in the military at 18 starting at 38 years old, has a really great pension for the rest of your days. But again, more than three-quarters of people who serve in our military that protect our freedom don't stay the 20 years minimum to qualify for the sweetheart deal. So the choice you have, if you went in to the military from 06 to 2017, is you can choose to either stay in the system where you go for your 20 years. And remember, somebody went in in 06. I mean, you're 60% of the way there. So if you think you're going to make the rest of it, you want to stay in the prior military retirement system. But if you come in later, odds are low in your mind that you'd stay 20 or more years you want to elect to go in the new system 
which makes your employment in the military, service in the military, more like a civilian federal employee where you now will get a match on the TSP. TSP, if you're not aware of how it works in government, the Thrift Savings Plan is a vastly superior retirement plan to what we have in private industry with a 401k, which in turn is much better than the crummy 403Bs that we hoist on teachers, hoist, hoist, whatever, impose on teachers and people work at nonprofits and all that. So the TSP already is fantastic. And then you get this option of getting a really nice match in return for foregoing much of the great benefits you'd have for longevity serving in the military. So again, the way you make this decision, if you entered in 06 through 17 into military service or family member or friend, is that if you think it's not likely at all that you'll serve two decades or more in the military, elect for the match on the TSP. Ayana's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello. Hope you're Hi. having a good day. Hi. Yes. Thank you. So you have a question for me that I don't get a lot. What do you think you have ambitions for your child to do? I was considering getting my kids into modeling, and I was wondering if you can recommend the best way to select a legitimate children's modeling agency. I can tell you what you look out for, and it's an area that has a lot of fraud in it Mm -hmm. and a lot of con artists. The reality is, is that most child models are the children of adult models who know the business, have the contacts, and know how it works. It's unusual for someone who is not from the business itself to be able to get a child into modeling without getting ripped off. Mm. Do you have a background in modeling yourself? I do not have a background in modeling. Do you have any friends who are adult models? No. Because you really need almost like that inside information. But I'll go ahead and answer in the context you asked me. And again, be very, very careful. The people that are going to take advantage of you are going to tell you that you need to pay them some kind of fee to have your child listed with them or will require that your child or that you attend mandatory classes that you pay for. A legitimate modeling or acting agency doesn't charge fees. Okay. They make their money from the commissions earned from the work done in modeling. Often it's called print jobs. Mm-hmm. And so they get commission for that, and you get the net check. Depending on the payer, either you're paid the full check and you pay the commission out of that to the agency, or the agency gets the full check and they net you after their commission that's in the legitimate business that's how the money is made Mm -hmm. but any modeling agency that says you need to pay them or you need to go to their photographer and pay their photographer for your card with some of your card that is a tip off to you they're not on the up and up all right 
So there are professional photographers that do the the headshots for actors and the cards for people doing modeling. And they're just people in the business that you go pay them for a session. They send you the proofs. Usually, if you're signed with an agency, the people at the modeling agency or for an actor at the agency for an actor will help you pick the shots they want you to have printed to try to make the best impression for work that your kids could make. Mm-hmm. So be wary. Any road show that's a dare to be rich road show that has hotel ballroom kind of thing, those are all bogus. Okay. And think about any place you go, if you're in a religious congregation or a church, think if there's anybody there who's in the business who could give you uh, an inside route of where it would be best where you live to take your kids. I see. And it's not just a matter of your kids, people telling you your kids are really good looking or they have that look or whatever. There's a certain poise that a young child has to have to be successful as a model. Goes way beyond the look. Right. So I don't know if I've helped you here. Um, No, it's all very good to hear. Um, I don't know anybody directly in the field, but I did live in Los Angeles for many years. So some of what you're saying sounds familiar from when I lived there and was talking to people about it. But I think all of that is really uh, helpful and useful and certainly gives me an idea of what what not to do, where where not to go. Yeah, just keep your radar up because there are a lot of people that will burn a parent's wallet because to each of us as parents, our kids are beautiful and they are precious and there are people that will sell into that and then eviscerate your wallet or your credit card. I don't want that to happen. Larry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Larry, you want to talk about emergencies. Yes. How are you? I'm wonderful. Long-time listener, and my wife accuses me of having selective listening, so maybe that's the case here. But it seems to me like you don't emphasize, for individuals and couples for that matter, to have an emergency fund for emergencies. Um, That is not really true. I'm a big fan of you having rainy day money. What I say, though, that is something that can be very confusing is that rainy day money does not have to be in a simple savings account or its cousin a CD or a money market account. So I believe that people should have a meaningful and eventually a large rainy day fund, but I have an odd strategy to fund it. And it ties back how Roth IRAs are the first place money should be stashed not 529s for college. Are you and your wife fully funding Roths? Well, actually, no. I'm uh, fully retired. She's um, semi-retired. So So if she's um, still working, follow this, she can continue to contribute to a Roth. The money in it can grow tax-free to be used at some point in retirement if needed. But what's so neat about the Roth is that money in there if you end up having a rainy day and you need it you can access your contributions your earnings you have to leave in there but you can access your contributions tax and penalty free 
So the first and best place to start building up security is in the Roth. And so it becomes kind of like a rainy day fund if you have a really rainy day. So yes, I, I understand that. Uh, we elected to fund our emergency fund through, as you just mentioned a minute ago, money markets. And um, we're uh, fortunate enough to be dual income, no kids, I guess, in the vernacular that we're dinks. But um, we started a budget. We'd been married a number of years before we finally sat down and created a budget. And we were fortunate enough to free up $1,000 in, in a two-week span. That's great. So that was our initial emergency fund. And then we started building on that. And now we have about three months tucked away in, uh, in actually two money markets. All right. So let's talk about that three months. So what in retirement do you have to live on? Do you have a pension from your former employer? I have a pension, she has a pension, and we both have Roth IRAs. And so you are you also Social Security eligible? Actually, um, I'm railroad retired. Oh, which is a fantastic retirement plan. So that goes on no matter what. 90 days rainy day for for you as a couple because of the fact that you've got that railroad retirement and she's got a pension, may be more than adequate. Yes, I understand that. And that's why we elected not to go with six months emergency fund. We just went to the lower amount. So I would say now the emphasis would be on boosting the contributions to her Roth while she continues to work. Because later in retirement, the Roth money is going to be fantastic to have access to. Yes, we've been fortunate enough we have not even touched a penny of the Roth money. So, but I'm saying since she's working part-time still, correct? Yes, she is. She should put in 6500 a year in it because she's past age 50, I'm assuming. Yes. So she can do 6500 a year. It's a great asset to inherit if the two of you never need the money and a future generation can inherit. It's a great asset to have if expenses later in life end up being more of a burden than expected and there's no required distributions at age 70 and a half so that would be the only thing i'd say um, sometimes i feel like i'm the man from roth but there's a reason because the accounts have so much versatility so much flexibility and the tax-free part of them is just fantastic so that's why that would be the ticket as far as i'm concerned This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Tina. How are you? 
Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have a question for me about narrow insurance policies. Well, I, I haven't heard it called that. I just refer to it, I guess, as a cancer policy. I guess I'm maybe a little concerned because every day I'm hearing more and more about people getting cancer. And should sure. I have a cancer policy of any sort? Okay, so good question. So what a narrow policy is, is something that only deals with one possible outcome in life, a cancer policy. Another example would be an accidental insurance policy. Okay. And so what happens with any kind of specialized policy is the premiums are relatively low or can be very low for an eye-popping amount of coverage because they're looking at what are the odds that one of these things will happen to you, and that's why the premium gets driven down. Now, my thing is that instead of buying your question a cancer policy, if you were to have terrible heart problem or you have any kind of chronic or very serious illness... Because mm-hmm. cancer is a word that we fear so much, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But there are many things that can go wrong with a stroke, heart attack. Um, we could go on all day long with medical right. paranoia, right? Yes, you're right. I'm more concerned that you have two broad policies. One is a good comprehensive health insurance policy. Okay, I do. And the second is a disability insurance policy. Okay. Uh, now, we're covered under my husband's employer. He has a disability policy for him, but I'm not sure that I'm covered. Depending on the employer, you may be able to buy a disability insurance policy through your husband's employer, but you may be better off just buying one on your own if your health is good. Is your health good? Yes. So owning your own disability insurance policy that is yours and would protect you if you're unable to work because what the the idea behind let's say a a cancer policy or an accidental policy is that it deals with the expenses you have that are maybe things you have to pay and you can't work so i'm much more interested in broad insurance than narrow insurance okay what if i'm a homemaker but yet i would like to just have additional coverage so that we don't run out our maximum sure well that would be a case where owning a cancer policy if you if you have a big history of cancer in your family and you're really worried about that then tina again it's not a huge expense to have one of these cancer insurance policies if that would give you more peace of mind go for it you're listening to the clark howard show I appreciate you tuning in to the Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone.